0: Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus for a night like this. Thank you for this program. Thank you for all that we're about to hear and receive. Thank you because your word positions us and places us in the place we ought to be, in the position we ought to be, to walk in your will, in your purpose and your plan. I pray, Lord, that as this word comes, we will receive it with faith and meekness of heart and act on it, for the blessing is in the acting on the word. Thank you for the spirit of understanding in this meeting. Thank you, because that spirit is at work in every single one of us, causing us to hear and understand your word, as we are positioned for victory in you. And now our hearts are open to receive from you. In Jesus' name, amen. This is part three. And um, it's important that you understand that this series is not just for anybody and that you are specially selected by God to be here and hear this. We are not too young to be ahead. We're not too young to be acquainted with What God is doing. And there's a reason for this series. A reason for all we're going to share now. You know, you must understand that ministry or meetings like this are not just so we could do something with our time. They're not just so we have something to say or something to do. But it has an intent. It's set to achieve something. Hallelujah. So, it's important your approach toward the meeting your mindset as we share the word your position a lot goes into it because the work is worthwhile so consider yourself privileged and work in light or in the light of that privilege and wherever this teaching goes you can be sure it'll bring out people of answer all right so we're not just beating the air we're actually set out to achieve something and life keeps on getting more and more glorious for us part three Who can guess what we are going to be talking about? Who can guess? Okay, someone should first tell me the the title or what this program was tagged. first of all. What title you remember? Anyone, you can raise your hand. I believe I'll be able to see it from here. Jewel, go ahead. Influence Realized. Influence Realized. Okay, who remembers the first one? The first two parts, what they were called? Preparing for Influence. All right, great stuff. Preparing for Influence. Now, I was talking with the Lord, and he told me some things about the month of February, particularly it's a month of influence. And, you know, I've taught on the importance of prophetic words and how it affects you personally, but I've got a number of other things to share with you, and I just want us to get straight into it. So as we move on, it all makes sense. So I said, this series is a very special one, very, very special, and it's both prophetic, it's something in line, and it's a move of God to a particular problem. In part one, we discussed the generation we are in and how that Jesus already told us what kind of generation we're in, where we are, what's happening, what's going to happen. Then in part two, we talked about our faith, what was formerly given to us and how we cannot lose the fire or drop the standard because of the generation, but that we are even to change, make a difference and impact in that generation how many people remember that so while we talked on all those things there were a number of things that i didn't mention i didn't um touch on just because i wanted it as streamlined as possible but um two weeks later the lord speaks to me and tells me to do a number of things and so we're going to get straight into those things now so part three i'm talking to you about the god of this world part one the generation part two our faith in focus part three the God of this world. So if you have your notes, your Bibles, we're about to get in. We're about to get in. Also, by part 5, which I'm believing that we we'll finish this by part 5, which is the third day. Um, so plan your time very well. By part 5, I'd like you to write down your questions. They will be answered anonymously if you would prefer that. But write down any question at all. Whether it's regarding Christianity, the message, the faith life. What's going on with Because like I said, we're a team and we're working together to establish something. And so write down any questions you have and we'll look at them at the end of part five. So I'm looking forward to seeing what's going on in your mind while we're going through all of this. could be about anything but relevant. Okay, the God of this world. How many are ready? All right, let's hop into it. Shovah Fafenetuzah. Lara Baku Zekrendes Ejelakuvahas. Haya, haya, haya. The God of this world. So remember that Jesus pointed out two things. He said a faithless and a perverse generation, All right? But I want you to understand that we are the solution to this problem that was pointed out. We're the solution. And so make sure you go back to those, to part one and part two when they are available. I'll tell you when the recordings are available. Um, You know, we're just putting a bunch of things together. But when those recordings are available, you will be able to go back listen and then follow exactly where we're coming from part three the God of this world let's hop into it Ephesians chapter 4 all right let me share my screen with you so that you don't complain Ephesians chapter 4 I'm reading to you from verse 17 this I say, there for this I say, therefore and testify in the Lord and to take this down okay this I say therefore and testify in the Lord that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk. Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus and he says, This I say therefore and testify in the Lord that you henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity or the vanity of their mind. Who are the Gentiles? We're talking about the unsaved. That's that's what that word, that word is talking about. The world, the unsaved, the heathen. They that are without God. So he says, This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that you henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk, in the vanity of their mind. I want you to um, highlight that portion, mark that portion, and see what he says about them. Remember, we are dealing with a faithless and perverse generation, okay? And we're talking about that problem and addressing it. And by part five, you'd understand some things we're going to talk about. So, verse 18 having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. There's a lot of things being spoken about here, but we're going to see each one. He says, don't walk like they walk in the vanity of their mind. The word vanity there talks about the inutility of their mind, the unusableness. Another word for it is actually the perverseness of their mind. So you can tell that the Apostle Paul here is addressing the same set of people. You can imagine, Jesus talks about them in his day. Paul talks about them in his day, years after Jesus is gone. And we're still addressing that same generation now. So he says, don't walk like they walk in the vanity of their mind, in the perverseness of their mind. He now begins to explain. He says, having the understanding darkened. That word understanding means their thinking faculty, their imagination, their thinking ability is darkened being alienated from the life of god through the ignorance look he's highlighting on something do you understand he's expatiating on something so he says their understanding their thinking ability is darkened i'm I'm, I'm asking why does it seem like evangelism is so hard why why is it we could go out and spend three four hours and it's like no one is no one is responding to the call of salvation is the problem with the message is the problem with the gospel is the gospel outdated no He's highlighting it here. It's something about this generation. Don't worry, we're going to read another scripture after this and it'll make sense. Because, you see, what the Word of God helps us do is to interpret life scripturally, spiritually. So we see things from how God sees them and so can respond the way he would like us to or want us to. So he says, they're walking in the in the perverseness of their mind because their understanding, their thinking ability is darkened. Questioned by who? Being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. So he says, they're not rejecting the gospel just because they're not necessarily just convinced by the message. They're not rejecting the gospel just because they want to. There is a blindness. There is a blindness. That is, there's something over their heart. Their understanding has been darkened because of the blindness of their heart. We're flowing, we're flowing. I need to get all of this. So the ignorance there talks about callousness. Actually, words of the stupidity, you know, that is in them. So it's a very strong word in Greek. But he says the blindness of their heart is the problem. Let's see something. Second Corinthians chapter 4 from verse 1. Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, I told you, the series, the message is about addressing this problem. We want to fix something because there needs to be a harvest of souls in these last days. They are still the days of salvation, not the days of unbelievers. Nobody gets an award for noticing it's it's the day of unbelievers. We know. But he that winneth souls is wise. So he says, therefore, seeing we have this ministry. Now understand that this chapter 4 has come from chapter 3. And he was talking about the ministry of reconciliation that we have. He was talking about how God has made us able ministers of the New Testament. So he says, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we think not. Meaning, our job is not to give up on the generation. It's not to say, okay, the, de- the generation is for the devil. No. He says, seeing we have received mercy, we faint not. But have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty. He says, we've set them off. We put them off not walking in craftiness, in sophistry, in, 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 uh, in some sly knowledge, craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth. Look, these are loaded portions. And so we're going to, I'm going to take you through them day by day. You're going to look at these scriptures again and be like, new light, new light. Okay. So not handling the word of God deceitfully but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But, he says, this is our ministry, but if our gospel be hid, understand, meaning the gospel could be hidden to some people. This good news, there could be something in the way. That's actually what he's showing you. So, he said, we have this ministry, but if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. What is it about these ones that are lost? He tells us, in whom the God of this world In whom the God of this world has blinded the minds. Do you remember this from the previous scripture? The God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not. Lest he's fighting about something. There's something he doesn't want. Understand this. We are preaching that light is shining. So he knows. That they will be converted. So he does something. He says, in whom the God of this world has blinded the minds. Put a veil over the minds of them who don't believe. Lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord. And ourselves, your servants, for Jesus' sake. I want to expatiate on all this. For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness. Okay. What I'm trying to show you is the problem it is like i said part three the god of this world is there a factor is there something that is weakening or trying to act as a force against the winning of souls turning men from darkness to light he says the god of this world has blinded the minds that 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 construction there blinded the minds it actually means to blunt the the mental discernment so they have an inability to see the light of the gospel. You're preaching it in plain terms. You're not speaking in tongues to them. You're speaking in their language that they understand. But he says that their minds, their, their ability to discern, their ability to see the life in the gospel has been blunted. So he says he's blinded the minds, blunted the discernment, the mental discernment of them who don't believe. Lest that light shine onto them. This is what he's doing. And Jesus talked about it. And you must understand and begin to interpret your world based on this. Why are we praying against lockdowns? Why do you think we're praying for the opening of churches? Because this is his agenda. He knows what he's avoiding. And I'm going to be sharing what exactly he's avoiding. The main thing is targeting. You must understand that you're not in a meeting just for Bibles. You know, I'm not studying the Bible. No, it's a real solution. We're coming together to solve a problem. You need to begin to see where we're going with this. Because it will guide your attitude. It. So he says, if our gospel is hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world has blunted the discernment, the ability for them to perceive the goodness of God, because the gospel is the goodness of God, is the good news of Jesus Christ, which leads them to repentance. So he bluntens their mind, lest they receive the light of the gospel, who is the image of God, the the light of the glorious gospel of Christ. Christ, who is the image of God, should shine onto them. I want you to look at that. Lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, Christ, who is the image of God, should shine onto them. He doesn't want them to see Jesus. Why? It's not because Jesus is coming down now. But he says, we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus. You see, there's a difference. He didn't say we preach about Jesus. We don't preach about Jesus. Preaching Jesus and preaching about Jesus are two different things. So he says, For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus. We preach Jesus the Lord and ourselves, your servants, for his sake. He doesn't want them to see, so he bluntens their perception. He says, when we're preaching, we are not preaching about him. We preach him. Look at this part, verse 6. For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness. You know, some people... This is where there's something they get confused and I'm going to show you. For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined. Question, who shined? He didn't say a light has shined. For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts. So who shined? God shined. When you got born again, what happened? God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts for a reason. To give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. In the face of Jesus. You know, this is one of those scriptures that actually proves Jesus to be God. But people don't see it. Some people ask me, they say, um, can you tell me where else in the Bible, apart from in the book of John, that proves that Jesus is God or says he is God? There are many references, but I want you to look at this. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined. Who shined? God shined. Has shined in our hearts to give the light. Listen. Listen. He's shining in our hearts. God himself shining in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus. So who shined? This is amazing. So he says, For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory. He's given a light of the knowledge of his glory in whose face? The face of Jesus. So who shined? Jesus shined in your heart. But he just told you, God shined. So, when we preach Christ Jesus, when we preach this gospel, who are we shining unto them? The light of the glorious gospel, meaning when we preach, something happens. I don't want to get into it because we're talking about the God of this world and his work, what he's doing. Why is there a rise in the atheists, the unbelieving? And not just the rise. We answer that question, why there's a rise? Because of the perverseness of the generation. The vanity of their minds. But why does it seem that Christians are not able to bring them? Why is there such a struggle? It's because some are unaware that there is a ministry of the God of this world. There's something he's doing. He bluntens their perception. So he makes it impossible, almost impossible, for them to be able to see light. Think think about it. A blind man. No matter how much light you put around him. He is blind. Look, it's different from someone who's been in darkness. Then you bring a torch. That's easy to do. We just preach the gospel. The light comes to them. But he says, these ones have a veil. They've been blinded by the God of this world. Lest this light should shine onto them. So there is a blockade. There's something blocking it. So, are the lockdowns? Why are churches being shut down? I remember last year and you know i was really contemplating how i wanted to pass this across whether i would you know begin to show you documents because you see we can't hope for an opening the church has never was never in fact god's people were never to be controlled by man study the priestly ministry In the Old Testament, the priests were consecrated, set apart by God for the handling of the holy things. Only they decide what happens with the temple. That Why do you think when when, when the kings wanted to set up their statues in the temple, it was an abomination? The abomination of desolation, we'll talk about that. But you see, we have a priestly ministry. The Bible says we've been called to be priests, right? So what it means is the preservation of the house of the Lord, the prosperity of the house of the Lord, the continuance of... The propulsion of the gospel. All these things have been delegated, have been put into our charge. So I said, it is pointless hoping for ministers or people to open up your nation. And this is the thing. I remember I thought about understanding the church of Jesus Christ last year. And I made them understand that the church is in charge of setting up the kingdom of God in every land. What am I saying? The dominion of God in every land meaning where the church is the kingdom of god is so god now has the ability to reign through the churches so what happens when you lock up the church what are you saying god can't reign there god can't be there of course his presence could be there but people are not added to the kingdom and they would type it now you see the devil the god of this world who is satan would not outright say yes i'm shutting down the churches so the gospel would not be spread no that's not what he's going to say. The Bible says he's the father of lies with deception. So what's, what's the easiest thing? He hides the modest operandi. He hides the main thing he's doing. He knows he's working towards this not happening. He doesn't want the gospel to be spread. So he manufactures things. He formulates things. His real motive is hidden. But he talks about other things. So you hear about COVID. You hear about this. You hear about that. And mind you, I'm not saying that there is no disease out there and you know this is a very very big subject and if you've been following the your love world sessions as well you know you would now begin to see and understand where certain things are but understand that this is his real motive this is what he's really getting at all his attempts towards humanity is to stop this from happening to stop them from seeing jesus christ seeing salvation but god is not unaware of the situation It's no mystery to him. I told you, Jesus saw what was happening. Perverse generation. Paul saw the same thing happening in his time. So he says, this is what he's working against. But verse 7, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God. You're asking, how does all this tie up? I'll explain to you. It's not a mystery what is happening he knows what he's fighting against. So he begins to talk about the Holy Spirit, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels. He says, look, 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 I want you to flow this way. I want you to get it properly. In whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus. And God who has shined in our hearts, he's talking about that. So he says, despite that there is the work of the God of this world, he says, we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Why does Paul suddenly begin to talk about the Holy Spirit? I said God already knew, all right? He knew. This would happen. Isaiah 60, verse 2. I want to read from verse 2. He says, For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth. Whose work is that? Who's who's doing that? The God of this world. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth. Isaiah is seeing this in the spirit. He's prophesying. So he says, And behold, the darkness shall cover the earth. And gross darkness the people. What is this gross darkness? He's, remember, remember. He says, having their understanding darkened. Meaning that it doesn't mean that the weather is going to suddenly change. The weather everywhere is not going to suddenly be dark, then you know that this scripture is being fulfilled. It's something happening in the spirit. And if you're not aware through the word of God that that's what has happened, you'd just be there. You'd be paralyzed. You don't know what to do. We're solving an active problem. Behold, the darkness shall cover the earth and gross darkness the people. But the Lord. Did you see that but again? We saw it there. He says, but the Lord shall arise upon thee and his glory shall be seen upon thee what is he talking about he says the lord shall arise upon thee who is the lord we read the scripture in second corinthians chapter 3 and verse 17 he says the lord is that spirit i'm going to remember that we read that during the prayer session and his glory shall be seen upon thee what is the glory of the lord still the holy spirit the bible says that jesus christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father. Meaning that these days that we're living in were foretold. I'm trying to open your eyes to see where we are. You see, the things of the Spirit are not difficult. They're not difficult. A lot of times, people run into error just because they they have not learned to see their world through the Scriptures. I always say, if you don't allow the Scriptures to interpret God and life for you, something else will. The news would interpret what's going on for you. Some outlet from somewhere, some newspaper, some magazine. They'll interpret what's going on. But there is an understanding that God wants you to have in knowing. He says, behold, the darkness shall cover the earth. What do you think he's talking about? The gro- And gross darkness, the people. He's talking about the, the God of this world and what he's doing. It's what he's been fighting for. It's why we say that everything that's going on now is an attack against the church. And like I told you, the devil's not going to go come out playing and just say, yeah, I'm attacking the church. And you hear every president saying, yeah, we're attacking the church. That's what we want to shut down. No. He's the father of lies. He'll tell you, it's this, it's that. But we know through the scriptures where all this is going. So he says, Behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and gross darkness the people, but the Lord shall arise upon thee. Who do you think is prompting me to have this series? Why do you think we're having all of this? He says, but the Lord shall arise upon thee, the Holy Ghost shall arise upon thee, and his glory shall be seen upon thee, and the Gentile shall come to thy life. So he says, despite the work of the God of this world, his machination, his invention, all he's doing he says we have this treasure in earthen vessels it means there's something there's a secret power that we have god is not ignorant nor should his people he's aware first Samuel says, is the god of all knowledge meaning what is hidden from him knowledge calls him god but we have the solution we are the solution why is he talking about the holy spirit why does he begin to talk about the holy spirit and this is where we're creeping into The next part. So first, I wanted you to see the God of this world, what he's doing, but how that God already said where we would be and the solution. It's no mystery. If we do it the way the scriptures want us to do, we will get the scriptures result. We'll get God's result. So he begins to talk about the Holy Spirit. Let's go back to this. We have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. So, we are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. Hallelujah. So, we are troubled on every side. Churches are not, are not open. A lot of churches are not opened. Everybody is doing this online idea. Yet, we are not distressed. We are perplexed but not in despair. Persecuted but not forsaken. Why? Allos Paracletos. The one to go alongside with. The Holy Spirit. The Comforter. Persecuted but not forsaken. Cast down but not destroyed. Do you understand your position? So why does he talk about the Holy Spirit? Because he's the one. He's the one. If you, if you read verse 1 of that Isaiah 60, you see, Arise, shine, for thy light is come. And the glory of the Lord, I told you who the glory of the Lord is, is risen upon thee. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth. So, why is he highlighting the ministry of the Holy Spirit? Because through the Holy Spirit, we stay lit. We stay a fire for the Lord and also give that same light. We brighten up the world. We brighten up the world. So, after we've dealt with the God of this world, what he's doing, How he's doing what he's doing, why certain things are happening. We need to understand the work of the Holy Spirit in all of this, the move of the Holy Spirit in all of this. So part four that we're getting into is called the warfare. The warfare. When we talk about spiritual warfare, that's what we're talking about. The warfare. We're in a warfare. And why did God bring all this? Because we have plans. Many people had plans. The devil knows that this is when the Spirit of the Lord is working with us like never before. Because the Bible says, in the last days, knowledge shall be increased. So that's how come things that were not known before. We know our position. We know that Jesus talked about this generation a long time ago. He gave us the solution. The Holy Spirit. And something about the Holy Spirit. Something we do. Something we do. We have the solution. I don't want to cross into it because we're getting close to that time. But maybe we'll touch a bit on it. Why the Holy Spirit? Why is he highlighting on the ministry of the Holy Spirit? What is it about the Holy Spirit that helps? Their disposition, their thinking ability has been darkened. They have the blindness of their heart, the callousness. You know what the callous, callousness of their heart is? That is, you know, there's a veil, a hard substance upon their heart. So What is it that he wants to deal with through the help of the Holy Spirit? That's what we're getting into. The warfare. A job with it. Let's touch a bit on it. Ephesians chapter 6. Why is he talking about the Lord? He says, the Lord shall rise upon you. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10. He says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. Maybe it's better I read 2 Corinthians 10 for you first so that you see this. 2 Corinthians 10 from verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we walk in this body. We see things that are happening in the world. He says, we do not walk after the flesh, in the realm of the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They are not fleshly. Why would you interpret something carnally with your flesh and then try and fight spiritually? You don't, you know, you don't do that. The Bible says, if we live in the spirit, let us walk in the spirit. So, as a Christian, you ought to interpret things spiritually. And that's why you understand that. Interpreting things spiritually is not fictitiously. We are not creating. I told you, we're not, you know... In the beginning of this, I said, we're not beating the air. We're not just saying things for sin's sake. No, it's real. People are wondering, Lord, open my spiritual eyes. How would I see spiritually? <laughs> Look at it here. The scriptures. Jesus said, the words I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. Meaning if you interpret by the word, you're interpreting by the spirit. You're looking by the spirit. Sometimes people have this, this foreign idea of what the spirit world looks like. I tell you, you're in the spirit all the time. I to church one day. He came in and he said, be in the spirit now. Be in the spirit now. You know the problem with that communication? It makes people have a double life. So they're in the spirit and in the flesh at the same time. But the Bible says that they that are in the flesh cannot please God. As long as you're walking in the flesh, thinking after the flesh, interpreting after the flesh, you know, some of these things will sound strange to you. So, you have to walk in the spirit, see with the spirit, and that's seeing through the scriptures first. Because when you're conversant with the scriptures, God can now tell you things and you'll be able to interpret them spiritually. He trusts you based on your knowledge of his word you have to understand his word understand how he's looking at things then you can say yes i told you last time that's how you prove your your word to god he says study to show thyself approved unto god meaning who is marking it god i mean he's looking at it study to show yourself approved not do press up not do squats no your study life so study to show yourself approved approved that is it's literally like your degree so he's looking at you, oh yeah, okay, she, she, knows, she, knows, she knows what she's meant to be doing, oh, she understands her authority, she knows her position. From there, he knows that when he gives you tasks, he knows you can interpret it from that standpoint. So you, you study, scriptural press-ups, yeah, you study. So he says, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, and I want to read this in several other translations for you so that you grab it. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God, to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, oh dear Lord Jesus said we're bringing in this last harvest i'm telling you we're bringing it in we're bringing it in if you never knew now you know just say thank you god for choosing me for for deeming me worthy the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty through god the weapons of our warfare are not physical weapons of flesh and blood but they are mighty through god let me read uh the cjb for you he says because the weapons we use to wage war are not worldly on the contrary they have God's power for demolishing strongholds. We demolish arguments. You're going out on evangelism and people have 10,000 things to tell you. You know, I, I recently had one of the most successful well, I say evangelisms <laughs> ever. And I, th- I kept thinking about what caused such a difference? How? I'm talking about single-handedly. What made such a difference? Been preaching in the city. I mean, you know, you're talking to people, talking to people, talking to but what made such a difference? What made such a difference? I mean, what you know, what was the every person I spoke to responded in groups they were giving their lives for. I was I was shocked. What made the difference? I said in this, in it was in this is the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. Casting down imaginations. Do you remember that their imaginations were, were darkened? So that's why they think the way they think. That's why they talk the way they talk. And that's part of what we're going to be treating. The warfare itself. What happens? How do we do it? What's his expectation? And every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. The CJB says, and every arrogance. Look, You're talking to people about the gospel and they are doing like this. He said, and every arrogance, we demolish arguments and every arrogance that raises itself itself up against the knowledge of God. You can imagine, the person doesn't have God, but the person wants to educate you about God. Telling you he's not real. Are you aware he's trying to educate you? So he says, we demolish the arrogance that raises itself up against the true knowledge of God. We take every thought captive and make it obey the Messiah. That's the CJB. Look at these. He wants us to have a mentality. You're seeing the work of the God of this world. You're seeing all that's happening. The question is, what should be my response as a child of God? What should be my response as a daughter of God, as a son of God? What should my take be? Give up on the generation? He said, seeing we have received this ministry, seeing we have this ministry and have received mercy, we faint not. Meaning, we don't, we don't give up. We don't sell out. We faint not. Then Jesus said, men ought always to pray and not to faint. So there's a ministry. There's something we do. There's a warfare. And I'm going to be majoring on that tomorrow. Looking at tomorrow, the warfare itself. And what is the glory of all of this? What's the glory of all of this? We're going to take this message, use it. Look, the more the word of God comes to you, the more glorious. Meaning if you are willing two, three souls, the next time it should be seven. From seven, fourteen, fourteen, thirty. I mean, that's how we want to be doing it. Wherever this message goes... It's going to produce results, and we are the ones to prove it first. So, without further ado, I want us to get into a brief moment or session of prayer. And as you pray, I want you to just thank the Lord for the opportunity to be enlightened, to know your stance and your position. And as you speak in other tongues, you say, Lord, we're going to make a difference in this city, we're going to make a difference. In this nation. That many more are going to come to him. Through you. Through you. When the knowledge of God comes, it doesn't come for you to brag or boast about it. No. The Bible says, they that know their God shall be strong and do exploits. Doing exploits is part of the proof of the knowledge of God. If you're not doing exploits, it's a waste of his educational investment. So, we're going to get into a session of prayer now. I'm looking forward to tomorrow. Who's looking forward to tomorrow? Now we're going to share, and the last part of it as well, because it's going to be an exciting time as we're going to be putting the word to work. Putting the word to work. Hallelujah. Sakarabakondoro Bohotis.